Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning again, everyone. Welcome to One Life Church. If you're just now joining us, my name is Red. I'm the lead pastor here. It's an honor to have you with us. Hey, before we jump into the series called Choose Joy, can you help me do one thing, One Life Church family? Can you throw your hands together and welcome our online church podcast family? Come on, let them know you love them. If you're joining us online, we're so thankful that you're with us today. We want you to know how much we love you, how, how much we miss you, and we cannot wait to see you real soon. All right, you guys, as I mentioned, we're in a series called Choose Joy. And before we jump into that, I just want to remind you of two very important things, all right? Throw this up on the screen, everybody. Fall small groups. Yeah, that, that, that's a good picture right there. Y'all like that? Can y'all, small, look, community created, baby. This is what it's all about. Marriage is strengthened. This is a commercial. Freedom found. Come on, somebody. Right? And then small groups. Small groups. Everybody say small groups. What are small groups? You ready for this? They're groups that are small. Hey, we, we work really hard around here. Uh, actually, they are groups that are small, but they are intended for life change. I'm telling you, if you're doing life alone, you're doing it the wrong way. I'm telling you, you need life-giving people in your life. I didn't say perfect people. There ain't no such thing at all. I'm not a perfect pastor. I wish I was, but I'm not. I will be in heaven, thank God. But listen, small groups are designed to get you connected in community to real, I'm telling you, your life will change when you're connected in community. So small groups launch on September the 13th. So in the meantime, small group leadership training is happening starting next Sunday. What is small group leadership training? It's an opportunity to be trained on how to lead a small group. It's as simple as saying, hey, I like to ride bikes. I want to lead, I'm already riding bikes at 7 p.m. on Tuesday evening. I'm going to create a group around that. And guess what? The other people that like to ride bikes on Tuesday are going to show up with you to ride bikes on Tuesday. You're like, is that like, can you do that? Is that even church? Yes, it is. And it's awesome. So whatever you love, whatever your passion, whatever your interest, I'm telling you, we can teach you to how, how to lead a group around that. So we don't want to change your life to lead a group. We want you to do what you're already doing and we can teach you how to add Jesus to that so that people can experience the love of Jesus Christ through you. Can I get a better amen, everybody? Amen. So small group leadership training, you don't want to miss it. It's going to happen immediately following this service next Sunday. So mark your calendars. Get ready for that. If you miss next Sunday, you can follow it up the following Sunday on September the 6th. All right, you guys, very excited about this. We have an incredible special guest today. His name is Pastor Danny Schultz. Now, I'm telling you, I could go on for hours and try to just create a moment for him to come up here. But what I want you to know is this. He pastors an incredibly dynamic church in Spokane, Washington called Sun City Church. It's amazing to see what God's done in the years that they've been there. He may share some of that today. But more importantly, he is a dear friend. He's an overseer of One Life Church. And not only that, they invested massively into what we're doing. So the trailer we have that is pulling all of our equipment. You want to know who bought that? Pastor Danny and Sun City Church, everybody, you know? Many of you who are in this room today may have been a part of some of the outreaches we did on the front end of, of reaching our city and letting people know what we were doing and how we're here. They were a huge part of that. They brought a missions team down. I'm telling you, this guy is amazing. And I cannot wait for you to hear from him. I cannot wait to grow myself. He's the kind of guy that when you're around him, you just get better. I'm a better version of myself when I'm around this man of God. And so the Bible teaches us to show honor where honor is due. Help me today. Stand to your feet. Throw your hands together. Show some honor and love for Pastor Danny Schultz from Sun City Church, everybody. Come on. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Hey, One Life Church. So good to be with you again. This is my second time getting to come and communicate and just be with you. I, I, I love being an overseer of this church. Uh, many of you I know, and we've got relationship from the past. And so it's so great to see so many friendly faces and, and just people that, that my wife, Jamie, and I, we, we just love you. We miss you. And we're so glad to see you. 
here today. Uh, Jamie's not with me here. She's actually preaching on our stage in Spokane right now. So every once in a while, we get the opportunity to preach at the same time across the country. I always feel like this superhero couple or something. So pray for us. Uh, But man, it's awesome to be here. If you're new here with us or if this is your first time uh, meeting me, man, I'm just, I'm so glad you're here today. My wife and I, we pastored here in Nampa for uh, eight years. And uh, before that, we lived in Meridian and Boise. And we just given a lot of prayers and a lot of time to the Treasure Valley. And so I was counted such an honor to get to be back and to to do anything I can to help God's kingdom expand here in the Treasure Valley. What a wonderful place that you live and what wonderful pastors you have, man. We, we, uh, can we just give it up for Pastor Rhett, Pastor Linda here for a second? Gosh, we love them, and we've known them for a few years now. We were praying and praying and praying that the Lord would bring uh, a, a church, a lot like Sun City Church, to the Treasure Valley, and we got connected with them, and I've just found them to be the sweetest, most genuine couple. Um, as an overseer, I get to be on the phone with him, and we're texting and emailing, and and uh, all the time, he's really leaning into those that are helping kind of lead this together with him. And I'm telling you, he's, he's doing it right, even in the midst of a really challenging season that we're all walking through. It's, it's challenging for church leadership. And I just want you to know that your pastors are people of integrity and honor and leadership. And the Lord's hand really is on your church. And I'm uh, so proud of you, right? You're doing such a great job, you and Linda. We love you so much. And, and uh, wow, what, what a year. How many of you guys need a little reset on 2020? It's like, man, this is intense. Uh, I couldn't have imagined going through this. I think uh, all the, my, my wife and I, we moved to Spokane uh, just a, about six years ago. And so we've, we've pastored six years in prosperity. And now we're pastoring through some difficulty. And it's good. When I mean, you're in prosperity seasons, like everything you do looks a whole lot better than it actually is. But you get into the, the challenging seasons like this, like things just are a little bit more difficult. And uh, I've been thinking a lot about the passage in Scripture. There's this moment where the, the king of Judah, he... Um, He's attacked by all of these armies that are coming at the same time. There's actually three different armies that that bound together and they attack the people of Judah. And uh, he he just goes into this total desperation mode. And I kind of feel like that's where we are right now. We've got the, you know, the army of all of the coronavirus stuff that's attacking the nation. And then we've got the army of all of the economic uncertainty that goes with that. And so there's all the unemployment and the the crazy that follows there. And then we've got all of the civil and racial unrest and disunity taking place. It's like all of these things attacking at the same time. And uh, Jehoshaphat, he prays this prayer. He says, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And that's so where I am as, as a leader. It's so really where we need to be as the people of God right now. It's like there is so much craziness. We've never led through a season like this. We've never walked through one as a nation. God, we don't know what you're doing, but we know you're doing something. You're in the midst of it. Our eyes are on you. We trust you. We love you. We're going to follow you. And here's what I know about God. Nothing's too hard for him. Nothing stops him. He's never even slowed down. He's going to make it through to the other side, and we're going to be with him in Jesus' name. And so uh, I just want to encourage you, uh, keep going. And uh, you live in an amazing state, honestly, to be navigating all of this craziness. I lived in Idaho for a long time, like I said. Now I moved up to the state of Washington. Help me, Jesus. You can pray, pray for your boy. Um, we live in Spokane, so it's like 20 minutes to the state line of Idaho. And when I'm doing life in Spokane, like everybody is so different. There's such a, there's just such a different culture. Uh, so every once in a while, my wife and I, we go on a little date over to Idaho and uh, we can go to some restaurants. I can get a haircut there. Thank you, Jesus. There are smiling, friendly people. No, we love Spokane. It, it's awesome, but it is, uh, it is nice to go get a little, little Idaho dose every once in a while. I'm thankful for living so close. Uh, I love the series that you guys are in, Choose Joy. Uh, my assignment today is to speak to you about the joy joy of generosity, the joy of generosity. Now you might be thinking, man, I was just starting to like this church. <laughs> I knew they'd be talking about this at some point. And uh, I actually love talking about generosity and giving and money. It is something that is so central uh, to the Christian faith, to the heart of God. I have a whole lot of fun with it. So I'm excited to, to speak to you on this subject. I want to start with Acts chapter 20, verse 35. This is a 
a phrase that Jesus quoted in the New Testament, the book of Acts. They're remembering what Jesus taught them. This is what they said. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give, to be the giver, than to be the receiver. And that word blessed, that kind of sounds like a holy word, but the word, if you, you study it out in the original language, the Greek language, it actually just means happy. The, the happier people are the givers than those who are the receivers. You receive more joy, to go along with the series, come on now, you receive more joy when you're on the giving end than the receiving end. Now, that does not mean that it's not a blessing to be a receiver, it just means it's a bigger blessing. It can fill you with more joy. You'll be happier. You'll be better off when you're on the giving end than on the receiving end, even when you're walking through seasons like this where there's an uncertain tomorrow. And I think if there's an ever a time to talk about the, the joy and the conviction of generosity, it's now because uh, we're all in the middle of being tested in that right now. Um, and so in my receiving, in my getting, in my consuming um, all of my life, I've, I've received a lot. I can't really think of a very moving and emotional story to tell you or to share with you this morning. Like, like there wasn't ever really a time in my life where I, I got my first flat screen TV and I fell to my knees and wept in joy over the amazing gift that I had been given or what I purchased. I don't ever remember a time in my life where I received my first pair of Jordans and I just felt so close to God. Like the heavens opened up and I could feel his presence. It was so amazing because of these new shoes. Thank you, Jesus. That's never happened to me. Come on, ladies. I don't ever know if you felt in a moment where you got that new coach purse and you just heard the angels in heaven rejoicing and singing over you. It was so emotional. You couldn't help. But, but if you're like me, I can actually think of a lot of times in my life where I've given something and it's moved me to this place of being really emotional like stepping out in generosity and really creating a memory that, that has lasted and lasted. I can think of times that I prayed and I gave in faith and I watched God do amazing things with that giving. And I think about the feeling that comes when God speaks and I step out in obedience and I give and then watching God use it and then what comes back to me, just the feeling of joy, that deep satisfaction, that fulfillment, that love. It's like, man, this is so good. Maybe you can think of a time where you stepped out in generosity and you received that sense of joy. Maybe you, maybe you tithed for the very first time. It had been something that you'd heard about and then you were gonna move into that place of covenant, that conviction. And you remember setting apart that part of your budget and giving it for the first time and feeling the joy that accompanied it. Maybe there was a time where you obeyed in faith and you gave because God wanted to and then you saw amazing provision on the back end when God came through and did a miracle. Uh, I can... I can remember just some sacrificial gifts where the Lord really had, had challenged me to save and give big in the middle of a season. I, I've got uh, lots of friends who had, had planned on going on a big vacation and then the Lord came and interrupted their plans and challenged them with a gift and then they sewed it into a missions trip or gave it to some building project or something that was happening in the kingdom of God and what happened in their world. Maybe for you, there was something that you, you could have sold, but instead of selling that thing, you decided to give it to somebody else, and it was a huge blessing to them. I don't know what your story is. I remember um, one time when I was a, a young adult, we had a college-age small group, my wife and I, and we would meet on a Thursday night or whatever. I would take all of the guys, and she would take all of the ladies, and we would, we would do small group. It was getting to be around Christmas. I remember I challenged all of our young adults at that time, you know, all the poor college students. I, I challenged them, let's, we, we got these families in the church that we, we know of, and they're not really a part of the church, but we're in contact with them from some of the outreach we've been doing. Let's, as a small group, take an offering and bless these families. Now, I don't think you take offerings here at One Life Church in your small group, so... Listen to Pastor Rhett and do whatever the rules are, okay? But in my, my, my history, we, we just said, like, let's pool all our money and let's go just make the best Christmas for these 
these families. These are families that really are struggling with, with their finances. And I remember gathering together. I might have had like 10 or 12 guys in my small group. She might have had 10 or 12 girls, and we just challenged them. And the next week we came together. And we all gave. And I remember as we started to count the money, there was like $4,000 that had been given between these two small groups. And we had the best time. And we rolled out and we paid off several months of their rent at their apartments. We went down to Walmart and we bought like everything Walmart had, all of these gifts for the kids and television and just stuff. And we showed up and surprised them for Christmas and said, hey, that your rent's been paid for a couple months and we've got all of these gifts and we're going to make Christmas for these families. And honestly, I can't, looking back on my life, I can't remember very many Christmas presents that I've ever received, but I'm never going to forget the look on these people's face as we showed up and made this Christmas. There's, there's something about, thank you. There's something about acts of generosity that they fill your heart with something that can only come that way. There's no other way that you can feel the way you feel than moving into that place of being a giver just like God as a giver. Well, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. There's a fulfillment, there's a joy, there's a sense of being used by God. It's a joy. And when it comes to giving, God does not want you to function out of the have to do it, but he actually wants you to move into the place where you want to do it. Can I get an amen? Like God, he wants us to move into this place where it's not like, oh yeah, this is what it means to be a part of a church. This is what it means to be a Christian. I gotta obey the rules and follow the laws and all of that stuff. No, come on. God wants you to move out of that place of obligation and into this place of deep fulfillment and excitement and faith and joy. It makes all the difference in your Christianity. If you can get to the other side of the have to and you can get into the want to, it changes everything. You can apply this across the board. Like if you get over having to pray and getting into the wanting to pray, prayer's gonna be so much better. You get over having to read your Bible and start loving your Bible, just having to get in a small group. All oh, pastors, Rhett is up here telling us it's time for small group. I have to go to that. It's another thing during the week. If you leave behind the have to and you get into the want to, man, I love Christian community. I love growing in my faith. I love being held accountable and holding people accountable and growing together. I love having a family when I show up to church, not just being a part of a service. Come on, somebody. Like, there's something that takes place when you get on the other side of the have to and into the want to. And this is so true with giving. Now, here's the good news. Philippians chapter 2 says this. God is working in you to make you willing and able to obey him. This is one of my favorite scriptures in all of the New Testament. God's working inside of you to make you not only willing, so he, he doesn't only make it so you want to do it. He actually gives you the ability. He's going to make you willing and able. He, he works in our hearts and our desires. And it's one of the best things about God. He's not only going to help you be able to do what he wants you to do, but he's going to actually help you get to where you want to do it. And I think everybody hits moments in their Christianity in their life where we, we, we honestly don't want to do what we know we should do. You ever have those moments? Every once in a while, this happens to me on Sundays sometime. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to football season. I hope we have a football season. Jesus, hear my prayer. Please let us have football this year. And, and I'll get done preaching. We have a couple services at Sun City Church. I'll preach my heart out and I come home. And really all I want to do after preaching and loving people for hours is I just want to sit in my nice soft chair in my living room and turn on football and like eat a bunch of food and just like, <sighs> do you ever get to that place, you know? So I'll get there and uh, maybe I'll make a sandwich or some nachos or something and I'll sit down in the chair. And it seems like just in the moment where I rest my tired body in that wonderful soft chair, this voice will come from the kitchen and it'll be like, hey, babe. And you know the tone when your wife says, hey, babe. And it's not just like, I'm coming to bring you nachos. It's a different tone. It's like, hey, babe, can you take out the trash? Like, I just sat down. Are you not able-bodied enough to take the trash out yourself? If you want it taken out, couldn't that be on your agenda? Like, there's something in my heart. It's a selfishness rising up, you know. And then in my heart, though, I know the right thing to do 
is submit to my wife and go take out the trash. Like, I know that's the right thing, but I don't want to do it. And, and can I just tell you, there's a huge difference in the spirit with which I carry out the trash when I have to versus when I want to. Like, if I'm forcing myself, I'm like, fine, I'll take out the trash. Pick up the trash. Oh, gosh. Like, can I just tell you, when I do it out of the have to, things are not very good in the Schultz household, you know what I'm saying? But when I do it out of the want to, like when I move into that place of, man, my wife has been so good to me. She actually did the work of cooking this and preparing it. And, and she takes care of our family all of the time. She's such an amazing lady. I want to serve her. I want to love her. Can I just tell you, things get a whole lot better in the Schultz household. Come on, it's awesome when we move into that place. And I've got to revisit all of the time, why am I doing what I'm doing? Here's that verse in the New King James Version. It says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. When he's working in my heart, transforming me into a person who wants to do what he's called me to do. He doesn't just give you the ability. He gives you the desires. And so this is what we really want to talk about today. I don't want to just talk about the need or the obligation of giving finances. I don't want you to just know, yeah, if the church is going to survive, we got to give. If the church is going to move forward, this has got to be a part. You know, we kind of all have to do this. Um, I want you to move out of the have to and into the want to. And I want to talk about the why of giving, the why of generosity. God doesn't want you to give because you have to. He doesn't want you to be generous because you're supposed to or in response to pressure. He wants you to move into the place where you give out of a clear why. And I want to make this statement. This is maybe a little controversial, so if you don't like it, just wait till next week. I'll be gone. Your regular pastor will be back. But I would say this, if the why isn't clear to you in your giving and your generosity, maybe you just shouldn't even give. Like if you're not settled in your heart and full of joy and wanting to do it with a clear why, maybe it's better just to take a week and figure it out. Maybe it's take a season of weeks and pray and think through, why am I doing what I'm doing? Let me show you in the scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 says this, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. According to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So if I'm only giving out of obligation, if I'm giving because I'm supposed to, but I'm not really willing, there's no why, I'm not excited in my heart, God's like, that's not actually the kind of gift that I want to receive from you. God loves a cheerful, joy-filled giver. So we got to move out of the place of just to have to and get into the place of willingness, excited, pumped up to be a giver. God isn't looking as much at the gift, definitely not at the size of the gift. He's looking at the heart behind the gift. And it's so vital that we don't focus on what we're doing, but the why behind it. Famous statement you may have heard before is when you lose your why, you lose your way. When you lose your why lose your way. And I found in my own life when it comes to giving and generosity, there's times where I've slipped out of clarity. It's just become a routine. I've lost my why and I've lost my way in that. And so what I want to do with the remainder of the time that we have together is I just, I want to like out of my own world, share with you some of the whys behind why I give. I think it's one of the best ways for you to get in touch with your own why and my challenge would be go home this week and think through some of these ideas. And maybe there's ideas on why you give that aren't included on this list. There's probably 50 more opportunities for you to find the why. But I'm just going to i going to talk to you about why I give. Did you know that as pastors, we give as well? <laughs> we tithe and we give generously. Uh, some of the leading tithers and givers in the church is always the pastoral staff. Like we believe and so into the vision as well. And so I'm just going to talk to you about about why we give. So here, here's the first reason why I give as a believer. I give out of obedience. Now, I don't, I don't feel obligated to obey God. I actually love obeying God. Amen, Pastor Danny, that's a good word. Now, I grew up going to church, um, but I wasn't all that serious about church. Kind of went with my parents because they made me, but I remember just having this all in 
moment where God rescued me out of lukewarm apathy, dead religion, and brought me into this place where it's like, God, I will do whatever you want me to do. Wherever you say to go, I will go. However you say to live, I will live. Lord, I am all yours. We were singing some worship song like we were singing today. I remember singing it with all of my heart and God said, do you believe what you're saying? I'm like, yes, I believe you can, God, you can have my whole life. And I've lived that kind of Christianity now since my high school years. Whatever God says, I'm doing it. He's the boss of my life. He's the Lord of my life. Whatever he says, I'm gonna follow. And so if God's word says to be generous and to be a giver, if that's clear in scripture, then I love, out of the overflow of my heart, I love to obey Jesus. Why do I give? Because the one I've surrendered my life to is the one who instructs me to give. Plain and simple. It's not, uh, it's, it's just, it's like I wholeheartedly believe that God knows what's best for me, that he's smarter than me, that he's in control of my life and that he's the king. And, and when God asks me to give, I know that he doesn't need my money. He actually knows what's great for me. And that's why he leads me and instructs me into this kind of living. I believe the word of God. Uh, I do my best to live the word of God. And I'm not gonna just go after you know, the trends of a generation that maybe move away from what God's word says. I'm gonna build my life on that sure foundation of God's word. That's how I roll. That's who I am. Obedience, number one. But here's number two. I give because it's fun. I give because it fills my life with joy. And honestly, I learned this from my dad. I've got a generational blessing. I have a heritage of generosity in my family. My dad had the most fun as a giver. He, he would, you know, he would give regularly to his church through tithes, but he loved giving offerings. You know, those things that are just above and beyond what the word of God uh, instructs us to give. He would just do it for fun. And uh, I grew up in the 80s in youth ministry. So 80, I was an 80s child, and in the early 90s, I was getting into high school, middle school and high school, and we did all kinds of crazy things in youth group to raise money. Do you remember those crazy youth group fundraisers that they had back in the day? Uh, my, my youth group growing up, they would do bake sale after bake sale after bake sale. They would do all of these things. This is completely inappropriate to call them this. So do not do this in your youth ministry pastorate. But when I was growing up in the nineties, they did these things called slave auctions. They would parade all, do you remember this? They would parade all the kids in the youth group up in front of everybody else. And then you would buy them that like how horrible, awful is that? But my dad, he would go to these things and he would, he would hire like three, four, five kids from the youth ministry to come over to our house. We had some property and he would, he would pay them to move rocks or pull weeds or whatever. And they would come and they would do like $5 worth of work and my dad would give them like 50 bucks a piece. I'd be like, dad, you never give me that kind of money. What's the deal? He'd be like, they need it for the camp that they're going to. I'm like, dad, they only did $5 of work. He's like, you don't understand. This is fun. I love doing this. I love being a part. They need it. He, we would go to these bake sales put on by the youth ministry, and they would have all kinds of nasty pies that those middle schoolers ate. And my dad would buy like five pies and bring them home. I'd be like, Dad, we can't eat five pies. There's only four people in our family. What's going on? He's like, it's just fun. They need the money of these pies. We'll give them away or something. It's awesome. He would have such a good time giving to people. There was a joy inside of it. And I began to learn this principle in my life as an early age. You were driving down the road to your house. Maybe you live in a subdivision or whatever. And one of those cute little girls has got the lemonade stand set up on the side of the road. And she's selling lemonade, you know. And so you pull over and the lemonade costs 50 cents. And uh, you're like, I'll take a lemonade. And so she pours the lemonade into the little Dixie cup, but she's going to spill the Dixie cup because it's a huge pitcher and a tiny Dixie cup. So she puts her finger on the inside of the cup and pours it all over her finger. And then like, here you go, and gives it to you. And you're just like, this is nasty. Uh, gross. And then you give her a dollar and she's like, I'm gonna, let me get you change. You're like, you can keep it. And she's like, ah, it's like the best ever. That is so fun. It's so fun to be a blessing instead of being a receiver. 
It's so fun to move into the place where I give out. There's something that it does inside of my heart. It's amazing. Why do I give? Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. My wife and I, early on in our marriage, we started a separate bank account that we just called the giving account. And after we tithe to our church, we would give our 10% to the, the house of God. Then we picked a percentage, and over the year, we increased that percentage. But I remember early in our marriage, it was like 1%. So I would give 10% to the house of God. I put 1% in this special separate bank account called the giving account. And it was basically already given to the Lord, and it would kind of accrue over. But anytime anybody ever went on a missions trip with YWAM or anybody needed something, someone was short on groceries or rent or something, I always had this money set aside just for giving. And in my heart, I had already given it. So then it was like an adventure to figure out, God, what do you want me to do with this money? God, we have $55 in the giving account. Who needs $55? Who needs a tank of gas filled up? Who needs me to pay for their meal and the drive through right behind me? You know, like all of my day, every day was like, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? And it is so much fun. It's so much better than this have to, greedy, miser, guard all my money. Like when you get into the place where I'm giving because it's fun, man, life changes forever. I don't want to be a part of a church that's led by obligation, I want you to find the joy in what you can do together through generosity. So I give out of obedience. I give because it's fun. Here's the third one. I give out of covenant. I give out of covenant. And personally, I know I can't support every organization out there, can't support every church out there. Uh, I can't say yes to every person, organization, cause, issue that's coming and asking for money. Um, but I can strategically get connected to the people and to the organizations and to the causes that God has called me to walk with and be connected with. One of those organizations is One Light Church. God has called me strategically to be connected with your church. And, and so that's why I come down here. Diane was just, uh, she's our friend from Spokane. And uh, she just came up. She's like, why are you here? Are you visiting family? I'm like, no, I came for you. <laughs> I didn't, I actually got a bunch of family in town. They don't know I'm here. I'm just here for you. <laughs> don't put it on Facebook. Don't tell them I'll get in trouble. My grandma and grandpa. No, like I, I came because I am strategically in covenant with your pastors and with you to see God raise up a wonderful and glorious church here in the Treasure Valley. I believe he's going to do it. I'm in, I'm in covenant together with you as one of your leaders. I'm committed to it. When we moved to Spokane, man, it was like the biggest sacrifice we ever did in our life. We quit great jobs and we sold our houses and we left behind family and friends that we love so much. The closest friends I'd ever had in my life here in, here in Idaho to move to Spokane where I didn't know anybody. No one. I mean, it was just like such a risk. And I remember there, there were those that moved with us to, to help us launch Sun City Church. And we gave the biggest checks that we ever wrote in our life. And we poured our life. We had to raise so much money to get this thing off the ground. And, and I knew, man, I knew I can't do life with everyone. But there are those that God has called me to lock arms with and plow forward to see God's kingdom established. We are in covenant relationship together and we are not going back. You, you gotta know who has God called you to be in that type of family with? For some of you, you're, you're in that type of family with this church. For some of you, you're newer here and you're checking it out and you're trying to figure it out. Whether it's One Life Church or another church in the valley, let me challenge you. Get into that type of covenant so you can feel like this isn't Rhett and Linda's church and their vision. This is our church. We are locking arms and we're making a difference every single month with our generosity and our serving and our life and our attitude and our joy and our witness. Like we're together arm in arm and we're going to change the world together. You, you like, you got to experience it. If you've never had that kind of church, it's going to wreck you. It's amazing. Some of you had that in the past and you've been through a disappointment of not being able to have that now. Can I just tell you, God wants to do it again. God wants to bring you into new seasons of connection and relationship and covenant. Why do I give? Because I give because I'm in covenant with God and with my church. I just brag on your pastors, man. They are giving their life for this thing. They did the same thing that we did, uprooted from where they were in Alabama, moved out here to the Treasure Valley, not knowing a soul. They're giving their life, and, and they're looking for people that are ready to lock arms and being a part of changing the world for good. Here's what covenant means. Covenant's when I give up my personal privileges and I take on responsibility. 
So like you have the privilege of doing whatever you want to do with your money. But as soon as you understand that God's called you into covenant, now I have a responsibility as owners in the family of God to make a difference together. Some of you that are married, you understand that, right? It all seems good. Like there's all these privileges to being married. Really? There's just a lot of responsibilities. Come on, somebody. When you're married, you don't make decisions about what's good for you. You make decisions about what's good for us, right? And when you're in covenant with others in the household of God, you're not just making decisions about what's good for you. You're making decisions about what's good for us. Why? Because we're in covenant. Covenant with my wife, covenant with my God, covenant with my church. Here's the fourth reason why I give. I give because of vision. I give because of vision. I love the vision of our church. Now, I should love it because I'm the lead pastor and have established a lot of it, but I, I love where our money goes when I give because I'm not only the lead pastor and sit on the board and help that. I'm also like a member. I'm, I'm a giver, and so I regularly give, and I love that when I give, part of my giving goes to feed the poor. I, I personally wrestle with all the time, am I doing what God wants for me when it comes to the poor? There are so many scriptures in the Bible about how we treat the poor. And I love that when I give, I can just know always a part of my finance is going to care for poor people and help them out of that poverty. I love it that when I give, people that are hungry are fed. People that don't have housing get housed. People that don't have clothing get clothed and cared for. I see that all over scripture and it makes me feel so at peace to know that part of my generosity goes to these acts of compassion. I love that when I give, part of that money goes to plant new churches like One Life Church. Now we, we gave... We gave to One Life Church specifically, but part of our generosity is always going to start new churches like this all across the country. Guess what? Part of your generosity to this house goes to start new churches all across the country. I love that when I give, uh, we, we start churches overseas among the most unreached parts of the world. I love that when we give, it impacts the next generation. And so young people get to hear about Jesus. Man, I'm so passionate about it. Like when I get full of vision about where this money goes and the difference that it makes in the world, like I'm blessed to do that. So I hope you give because of vision. Here, here's the fifth one. I give because of blessing. And I just say this boldly to you so, and, and challenge you with it a little bit. Um, this might seem selfish even for me to say it, but God's word is so, so clear and, and I need to be honest with you. Malachi chapter three, verse 10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing. Come on. So great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it, put me to the test. Why do I give? I wanna position myself and my family for God's blessing and God's protection. I want to. God says in his word that the way that I give, the way that I tithe positions me in the place to receive blessing and favor. And what I've learned through my life is nothing I can do can compensate for the blessing of God. I could work 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. None of it will make up for the blessing of God in my life. I have the right conversations, do all the right things, have all the right thoughts, the strategies, the wisdom, and I love all that stuff. None of it can outrun the blessing and favor of God. So all of the time with my family, with my team, I'm like, guys, we have the blessing and favor of God. Don't screw it up. Otherwise, we all be working 160 hours trying to make this happen. Like, we need God's favor and blessing. And I don't want to get the motivation wrong. I know people get nervous when you talk about finance and blessing in church. I don't give to get. I, I'm not into some weird pyramid scheme, prosperity gospel that's not at all. The, like, the gospel is not a get-rich-quick scheme. Come on, somebody. It's more about, like, give your life away and die, honestly. But God's word does emphasize again and again and again that when we give, the blessing of the Lord rests upon our lives and I want to live a blessed life. Check this scripture out, Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10. Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the what? The giving. 
Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all of your work and in everything you put your hand to do. If I get, now, does that mean like I'm gonna get rich? If, if, no, like there, the blessing of God is so much bigger than your finance. Come on, the blessing of God has to do with your peace. The blessing of God has to do with your health. The blessing of God has to do with your family. The blessing of God has to do with your time. There is so much of God's blessing that is bigger than your money. It definitely includes your money, but it is so much bigger than that. And I don't know about you, but for me and my family, I want to live that blessed life full of God's blessing and favor. Number six, here's my last one. I give out of devotion. There's a devotion that I have personally with Jesus himself. We like to tell our church all the time that we don't give to a church, we give through a church. So yes, there's an offering that comes and the the finances of Sun City Church are stewarded by the leadership and the elders at Sun City Church. But ultimately as a member, my giving isn't like, well, what are they doing with my money? Are they stewarding it right? Do I trust that? I gotta get to the point where I understand my giving isn't just to a church, it's through a church to God. And I have a personal relationship with Jesus and my giving is a part of that. Part of my connection with my wife, Jamie, part of our personal love relationship includes giving. All the women said, amen. (laughs) It's natural. You will give to the things in your life that you love. When my wife's birthday comes around, there is giving in Jesus' name. When Mother's Day comes around, when every second Tuesday comes around, there is giving. Like, I'm just making up. Like, like, like how weird for, would it be for me when it's her birthday to be like, you know I love you already. There, there's no need for giving. That would be a bad day in the Schultz household. You give to whoever you love. Who, wherever you, Some of you love fishing, and so you give to it all of the time. It's getting quiet in one live church. (laughs) Some of you love hunting, so you give to it all of the time, and the gear is piling up in your garage, and your wife is like, you really need all this? You're like, yes, I love this. Like, wherever you love, giving follows. And so the Bible says it this way, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So wherever your heart is, the giving goes if your heart is in Jesus. Your heart is wrapped up in relationship with him. Giving will naturally follow in that place. There's going to be this moment someday where you see Jesus. Do you ever think about this moment? I think about it all of the time. I think about this moment where I die and I go to heaven and the Bible says that I'm going to see him face to face. I'm going to know as I'm known. I just like don't even know what that's going to be like. But what I imagine is there's this huge pillar of cloud in heaven and I make it and I'm kind of rounding the cloud. And then in the soundtrack of heaven is always the chariots of fire theme song because I'm running to Jesus. So it's like, dun, 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 dun. And I'm like slowly running to him. And I look, I, I round the pillar of cloud and there he is. And he's running back to me like, Danny. And I'm like, Jesus. And we're like running. And then we meet in heaven. And then I just imagine myself like falling to my knees and just full diarrhea of the mouth right there. Like, Jesus, I tried so hard to do everything you wanted me to do. You gave me so much. I wanted to be a faithful steward. I tried to love you with every day of my life. And I just imagine him like, shh, son. I'm so proud of what you did with what I gave you. I gave you this relationship with Jamie. And you stewarded all the days of your life. And you were faithful to her every day. And then the words that I, I live to hear well done, good and faithful servant. And, and I gave you these beautiful kids. I gave you David and Hudson and Anna Lee, and you've raised them to know me and fear me and follow after me to the best of your ability. Well done, good and faithful servant. And I entrusted you with this church, my bride, Sun City Church, and you served her and you preached the word faithfully to her and you pastored and you corrected and you led and with integrity and honor. Well done, good and faithful servant. And I think there will be a moment where God will say something like, I allowed X hundreds of thousands of dollars to pass through your lifetime, through your employment and through your business opportunities and all that you did. You stewarded this much money 
and you gave generously with it. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I think all the time about the moment where I'm going to have to actually present to God, here's what I did with everything that you gave me. One day, I want to hear when it comes to my finance, well done, good and faithful servant. I do not want to get to heaven and have God say, like, I gave you millions of dollars over your lifetime to steward, and you just stored it up for yourself. You just spent it on another boat. You just did something else for yourself. You just lived a little more comfortable as an American. Like, I gave you all of this to do so much with. Like, I don't want to hear that. I want to hear God know, like, I want to hear that phrase. And so personally, I'm not putting my conviction on you. I'm just saying personally, I give out of that ever-present knowledge. Someday I'm going to have to look him in the eye face to face. That's why I give. And I'm going to pray and we're going to transition, let you out of here on this beautiful summer day. But I just want to wrap up by talking about how. So, so we talked about why. Here's how I give, because I think if you're newer to, to church or Christianity, it's so important that you know not just why to give, but how to give. I'll, just, I'll share this scripture with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds gets a small crop, but the one who plants generously gets a generous crop, and you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Now, that's a good scripture. You should, you should not give in response to pressure, Right? Don't give reluctantly in response to pressure. For God loves a person that gives cheerfully. Give what you decided. Don't give because the keys came up and started softly playing in the background. Make it feel all spiritual. Don't give because Pastor Rhett puts together an emotional video showing starving children in Africa. Feel guilty, Americans. You could be this. Give your money. That's weird. Bible says, give what you've decided to give. In fact, I don't think you should give because of some moment in service. Now, I think there's great moments you can have in service, but I love that the Bible says, make a decision. That's, this is how we give. Number one, we give intentionally. We, we, we do intentional giving. I think sometime during the week, you should huddle up with your family and you should make a decision this is how we're going to support our church because of all that Jesus has done for us. He's rescued us. He's redeemed us. He's blessed us. He's proffered us. We're going to come together and make a decision. This is how we're going to give. We're not waiting for an emotional moment or for the Holy Spirit to make me feel chills and goosebumps. Like, I'm going to intentionally be a giver. Come on, somebody. Which begs the question, well, then how much should it be, Pastor Danny? And I think a lot of people just kind of pick a number. I'm going to give $30. Or maybe they believe the Lord's going to speak to them. The Lord is saying $100. Like there's just a, a number out of the sky. And I, if that's how you give, I think that's a good place to start. But can I share with you the principle that the Bible actually teaches when it comes to giving? The Bible teaches that we should give intentionally, but the Bible actually teaches percentage giving. Percentage giving. So instead of like, what can I afford? Look at the budget. What I would challenge you to do is sit down with your budget and think through a percentage. Let me show you how Jesus taught this. Mark chapter 12. So Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and he watched as crowds dropped in their money. Now that's gotta be one of the most awkward moments with Jesus ever. Says Jesus is watching them drop in their offering. Huh. Awkward. Many rich people put in large amounts and the poor widow came and dropped in two small coins and Jesus called his disciples to him. He says, I tell you the truth, the poor widow has given more than all of the others making contributions for they gave a tiny part, come on, percentage giving, a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, she has given everything that she had to live on. So Jesus wasn't tracking all of the zeros in the widow's giving. He's actually looking at the percentage. What kind of sacrifice is coming out of this lady's life? It's beautiful. That's why God instituted the tithe in the Bible. I don't think that you should just, you know, pick a number. I think you should start moving forward with your life for, 
For many of you, that should be that biblical standard of 10%. For some of you, that just seems impossible. And my encouragement to you would be pick some percentage like I did with our giving account, pick 1% and then move forward next year to 2% and start carving out, here's how I'm gonna intentionally give. And here's the last one. So we give intentionally, we give by percentage. And then the third one is we give with eternity in mind. We do eternal giving. And this is where there's a lot of good organizations to give to. There's a lot of important causes in the world. A lot of people need help and relief right now. But you got to ask the question, when I give, is it going to make a difference for eternity? Is it going to actually help people come into the kingdom of God? Social justice without spiritual justice is injustice. If we don't help people know the gospel, the Bible, with our generosity, we're, we're going to do good things but we're going to miss out on the most important thing of helping them be a part of the family of God and the kingdom of God. And that's why for me and my family, the best place that we can invest our generosity into a Bible-believing, biblically-centered local church that believes in missions and outreach and generosity and support, just like the church that you found right here. I'm so proud of Rhett and the leaders, how they're stewarding the finances that God's given them and they're using God's money to help feed people and clothe people and help people here and all around the world. Can I do this with you right now? Would you mind this? Just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I think the Holy Spirit right here in this moment would just challenge us, stir us, to new places of generosity, to new places of obedience by his spirit. Holy Spirit, we're, we're thanking you for all that you're doing in and through us today. Lord, thank you for the, the word of the Lord, Lord, coming to us. And Lord, we pray that this would be a week where we would find our why. We would get connected with a passion for why to give and how to move in that place. Lord, thank you for it. Maybe you're here today and you've kind of wandered away from this being a part of your life. And maybe even as I'm talking, you, you would just say it's, there's actually a devotion issue. Like maybe I'm struggling with some of my generosity because my own personal relationship with Jesus has grown a little cold or maybe you're here and you've never started a personal relationship with Jesus. I'm gonna pray a prayer here in just 20 seconds and I, wanna, I would just be so honored if you'd let me invite you in and be included in this prayer. So if you're here today and you would say, maybe for the first time, I need to put my trust in Jesus or maybe for the first time in a long time, you, you just say, I feel like there's a distance, a gap, and I don't want that to be there anymore. Jesus, would you come into my life and would you rescue me and include me in your family? If that's you, we just do this. When I, when I count to three, we just lift your hand and say, Pastor, would you include me in that prayer? Come on, if that's you, just lift your hand. One, two, three. Come on, that's me. Amen. Amen. God sees you. God loves you. So good. Anybody else? Pastor, include me in this prayer that you're about to pray. Come on. Hey, let's pray this prayer all together. If you lifted your hand, just mean this with everything in your heart. Say this, Father God, I believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus, who came to earth, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross for my sin. And right now, I confess all of my sin before you. I ask you to wash me clean and make me new in you. God, I give you my life. I make you my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I could live a life that pleases you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hey, can we just celebrate with those that made that decision today? Come on, we're so proud of you. God bless you.